Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Gareth Bahanna, and joining me once again is fellow Pensburg writer Robbie Noggle. Robbie, it has been roughly four months, I think, since we last talked in, in podcast form. Uh, how have you been over the last four months, and are you ready to finally get back to a sense of normalcy as we get ready for the puck drop on October 12th? I think everybody's ready to get back to a sense of normalcy. I know I sure am. And uh, yeah, it's been almost like you said, four months exactly, but here we are. We're already like two weeks into training camp um, and we're less than two weeks from the new season. So it's just exciting to be back. We've had, unfortunately, a long summer to kind of stew in everything. And I know that a lot of, a lot of fans, myself included, are ready to uh, get back and hopefully some brighter days ahead of us. And hopefully there will be some brighter days ahead of us, Robbie. Unfortunately for the Penguins, as we inch closer to that October 12th start date, uh, there might be some some darker days at the start of the season compared to hopefully at the end. And that is because the Penguins will, of course, be missing their two best players in Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, both of which are recovering from off-season surgeries, Malkin with his knee injury or lower leg injury, lower body injury, and Sidney Crosby uh, recently undergoing surgery to repair his wrist. But, uh, Robbie, uh, before we touch on the future of the Penguins and give some of our predictions for the season, let's talk about how this Penguins team and the organization as a whole have changed since, uh, since we last talked back in May. And uh, I guess we can start by talking about some of the exits and entries, some of the some of the ingoings and outgoings. Of course, like with any NHL organization, you're bound to have roster turnover from year to year. The Penguins, in this case, are no different. Uh, this year, notable free agent signings include Danton Heinen and Brock McGinn. Uh, Brian Boyle was recently signed to a professional tryout throughout training camp. Uh, those, uh, Dominic Simone, as a matter of fact, he was brought back on a one-year deal as well, but Heinen and McGinn and Boyle, those are really the three bigger names that the Penguins brought in throughout the offseason to replace the likes of Jared McCann, Brandon Tanev, Brian Boyle, obviously brought in more recently due to the depth at uh, the center position with Crosby and Malkin out. And then you look at the Penguins' uh, departures, Cody Ceci, has left and he signed a four-year contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Frederick Gaudreau, I know uh, myself, I was looking forward to seeing if Gaudreau would be offered a contract with the Penguins. He was poached away by Billy Garrett and the Minnesota Wild to a two-year contract. Colton Sevior has left. He signed a professional tryout contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Mark Jankowski departed as a free agent. He most recently has uh, been signed by the New Jersey Devils to a PTO as well. So uh, a couple of faces departing, Robbie, a couple of new faces coming in, primarily to bolster the bottom six uh, as things currently stand. I I believe Danton Heinen and Brock McGinn will primarily be placed in bottom six roles. And of course, Brian Boyle and Dominic Simone are no strangers to the bottom six as well. So Robbie, you look at this roster turnover that the Penguins have uh, on their hands, they, they lose a couple of key cogs in Gaudreau and most certainly uh, Cody Ceci, who had an incredible rebound season last year with the team. They bring in these new faces. 
Robbie, what do you make of the the Penguins' offseason acquisitions, and do you think these these players can be impact players and succeed in Pittsburgh? I think Brock McGinn was the one that really stands out because he was the kind of first piece that came in this summer after the exits of Jared McCann and especially Brandon Tanev, who he will more than likely be targeted to replace in that uh, fourth-line role. But I think overall, it seemed like the exits were kind of what we assumed. We knew that uh, one of Tanev's, Aston Reitz, Bluger, one of those guys was probably going to be uh, taken away by the Seattle Kraken. And in turn, it was, it ended up being uh, Brandon Tanev was the victim there for the Penguins. And then Cody CC, the downside to him having the season that he had was he was going to price himself out of Pittsburgh. And that contract he signed, it's fine that he's, that he's moving on. It's great for him to get that deal. It wasn't in the Penguins' best interest to sign that deal uh, just because though he did have success, a lot of it was in a sheltered role. I'm not sure that he would have been able to repeat that performance necessarily. So that is a, a neither here nor there thing. It's great that he did what he did in Pittsburgh and it's great that he got that contract. It just wasn't going to be a long-term workout with the Penguins. And then for uh, Jared McCann, obviously that one is probably the one that stings the most. They did get pieces back for him, and they didn't lose him. They got Philip Hollander, who was in the Penguin system before. Uh, he was a part of the Casper Cap and in trade um, the offseason last fall um, in that weird offseason we had with the pandemic and everything. Having a guy like Hollander now in the system is a guy that may be called upon here very soon to step into an NHL role. He is instantly one of the best prospects in the system. Um, I know that our top 25 on Pennsburg, he was rated above uh, guys like Sam Poulin and Nathan Legere. Uh, he, and he kind of came out of nowhere, and he has had very good seasons uh, across the pond in his native Sweden. So he's going to be a guy that's called upon, and losing McCann definitely hurts and is not somebody that anybody wanted to see go, but getting a piece like Hollander could take away some of that sting as early as this season. Danton Heinen was kind of a under-the-radar signing by the Penguins and has impressed so far from all the reports coming out of training camp and the uh, preseason game on, uh, I believe, Monday night, uh, where he uh, played very well, according to what people who watched it said. I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but uh, another positive there. And again, until Malkin and Crosby come back, at least Crosby at the very least, it's going to be kind of a jumble in the roster. Guys are just going to have to plug in here and there. But what they got should suffice for a short while to bandage over until at least Crosby comes back. Malkin, we know, is going to be a little long-term, at least two months. So we're looking at probably no earlier than Christmas for Evgeny Malkin to return to the lineup. But Crosby here within the first five, ten games, he's already skating um, by himself and looks like he, he looks pretty good um, from the – images I've seen, the videos I've seen. So hopefully that's uh, closer to the five-game mark than the 10-game mark. But other than that, they there wasn't much significant turnover in my part, or in my opinion, McCann being the biggest piece. But they did bring in some guys that will hopefully help fill in those gaps. And then obviously the, the Crosby and Malkin absences will be big until those guys come back. 
make no mistake, I, I think the players the Penguins brought in, uh, in McGinn and, and Heinen, primarily they will be bottom six players, but let's see, I know specifically when looking at Heinen, he's a a former 16-goal, 47-point player with the Boston Bruins. And over the last two seasons or so, I know he struggled out in Anaheim. And in McGinn's case, uh, having him come in and basically be the the replacement for Brandon Tanev, that, that energy, that speed and tenacity, whatever you want to call it. McGinn is a former 16-goal scorer. He scored 16 goals and 14 assists in the 2017-18 season. So these are certainly players with a bit of an offensive flair to them. I'm, I'm not going to say they're world world beaters. Uh, I don't think they are. Uh, they may be asked to play up and down the lineup, especially like you said, with the absences of Crosby and Malkin so far uh, to start the season. And like you said, Malkin being probably much further uh, a longer wait than Crosby. We're going to have to see who's going to put the puck in the net for the Penguins, whether it be McGinn or Heinen or Jeff Carter, if he's going to repeat the pace that he had when he was uh, acquired at the trade deadline from the uh, from the Los Angeles Kings. Well, it's going to be a difficult start for the Penguins. I foresee them struggling a bit. I could see them winning a lot of 2-1, to one, one nothing. hopefully uh, you know, three, two kind of games, they might have to trap it up a little bit and, and play that more defense first style of hockey, which isn't something that you're accustomed to seeing with, with Crosby and Malkin out there on a nightly basis. But if the Penguins want to try and capture as many points early on in the season, I think that that's what they might have to do. Uh, looking at what the Penguins were doing in, in, uh, in training camp, uh, Wes Crosby was at training camp and pr- put a, a projection of lines together. He had Gensel, Jeff Carter and Brian Rust on line one. Jason Zucker hopefully looking for a rebound season for him. Evan Rodriguez and Casperi Captain on line two. You have Heinen, Bluger, and McGinn on line three. O'Connor, Brian Boyle, and Dominic Simone rounding out uh, rounding out that top six there. That was of uh, September 29th. Things can obviously change between now and October 12th, but someone has to put the puck in the net. I don't know who it's going to be, Robbie. Uh, I, I really don't know who it's going to be. The Penguins have offensively-minded players in Rust and Kapanen and Gensel, uh, but it, it might be a struggle early on in the season without their two best players. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And if you go back to, I know it's it's wild at this point, but if you go back to 2011 when Crosby was out with the concussion and Malkin was ironically out with a torn ACL the second half of that season, they were winning a lot of games two, one, three, two, like very, very tight games, low scoring games. Now the, the wild card and all that was Mark Andre Fleury playing at an MVP level for the Penguins in that second half of the year. They're going to need Tristan Jari to bounce back from what we saw last season. That's as, as basic as it is, because if he doesn't perform, whether Crosby and Malkin are in the lineup or out of the lineup, it's not going to matter in the end because the Penguins are going to have enough talent to score goals when Crosby comes back at the very least, but it's not going to matter if they can't get those big saves from Tristan Jari and goal. And like you said, they still have a lot of scoring talent even without Crosby. Yeah, Jeff Carter's your number one center isn't ideal, but you still have Brian Russ. You still have Jake Gensel. You still have guys like Kasperi uh, Kapanen and, and even Carter himself. Those guys are still going to be there. Teddy Bluger is looking to take that next step as well. So the offense will take a hit without Crosby and Malkin, but it's not 
completely bare. And there's guys there that have experience scoring. They have track records of scoring. So we'll have to just rely on them a little bit. Latang's still going to be there. Dumlin will be there. Marino will be there. It's really going to come down to can the guys that fill the hole step up just long enough till you get Crosby back. And then you get Crosby back on the top line with Rust and Gensel where you know the chemistry is there. They can start over. They can pick up where they left off. Then Carter, again, not your ideal number two center, but, man, if he can get on there and get some kind of chemistry with Kapanen or a guy like Jason Zucker, that completely changes how we talk about this season. And and then you fill in your bottoms there with Bluger, Aston Reese. Uh, Aston Reese, we assume, will be back from the COVID list by the time uh, the season gets underway. He should even be back here. Hopefully get some preseason games in. Evan Rodriguez. And then you got Brock McGann. Anthony Angelo is going to have a chance to break to break through this year. All these guys are going to have their chance. Dom Simone, who we mentioned. We know Dom Simone can drive play. Not always the biggest goal scorer, but we know he can create opportunities. They're going to need him again. And then again, Brian Boyle for we're going to assume he's going to make the team, uh, especially with the lack of center depth right now. He's going to be on there. You're going to have those guys there. They We just need them to step up and help through these first couple games here. And it's not an easy start. They drew a pretty rough hand starting with Tampa Bay and Florida on the road. But then you come home against the Blackhawks, the Stars. It's not the easiest October schedule, but it could be a lot, lot worse than what it could be starting out after those first two games. All right, Robbie. Let's let's uh, let's take our mind off the off the present for a moment. Let's talk about the future. Uh, we didn't have a podcast uh, originally. I wanted to have a podcast for for free agent frenzy and the uh, the NHL entry draft earlier in July. Uh, a couple of things got in the way for myself. I wasn't able to make that happen like I wanted to. But now we have the chance. Let's talk about some of the prospects that are in the Penguin system now. And let's talk about some of the guys that were drafted at this year's entry draft. And before I go forward, uh, Robbie, like I told you in our rundown here, I am no prospect expert. I, I am not. If you want prospect analysis, go please go subscribe to The Athletic for for Jesse Marshall's coverage uh, of prospects. He covers them like no other. I wholeheartedly recommend if you want real prospect analysis, go there. Uh, I, I am no prospect guru, but I wanted to talk about some of these players here because some of these players could be uh, could be the future of the Penguins when we're talking four or five years from now. So uh, let's go through the, the draft picks that the Penguins had in the 2021 entry draft. They had five selections, starting uh, in the second round, pick number 58, Tristan Bros, a forward here. Isaac Bellevue in round five, pick 154, defenseman. Ryan McCleary, round seven, pick 194. He is a defenseman. Daniel Leach, uh, round seven, pick 215. He is on defense, and this is a fun name. Kirill Tankov is a forward with the Penguins' final pick in the seventh round, pick number 218. Robbie, let's not sugarcoat anything here. The further and further you get away from the first round, the more of a crapshoot it becomes to develop really solid NHL players. However, with that being said, uh, I saw a, a lot of analysis during that draft period that spoke very favorably of the Penguins' first draft pick, Tristan Bros, the forward. While it may take a couple of seasons here for Bros to develop, and I think he is, uh, I think he has 
uh, agreed to play collegiate hockey for the time being. Uh, I know, I believe you did a write-up on Bros when he was drafted, or maybe it was the top 25, under 25, mm-hmm. one of the two. You, you you tried to look extensively into his game. This being the most high-profile p- player the Penguins drafted this year, the Penguins are, are getting a, a solid forward. And I think one of the buzzwords that Ron Hextall and and uh, Brian Burke like to use is bigger bodied, more physical players. And I think with this draft class, even if you're getting more uh, projects in the later end of the draft with the three picks that they have in the seventh round, even with a guy like Tristan Bros, you're getting uh, a power forward with a little bit of a, a, an offensive flair to his game. So I'll hand it over to you if you'd like to share any insight that you have from Bros specifically or any other of the prospects that you saw the Penguins draft that pique your interest a little bit seeing how we are probably realistically three to four to five years away from seeing if any of these players have have anything to offer at the nhl level yeah i did the bros right up for the top 25 under 25 and not going into it not really knowing much about the kid i came away uh optimistic uh that's all you can say the the penguins forward prospect depth is so barren right now that Anybody that they can get in there is going to be a positive at this moment. And Bros, he is literally like 18, 19. He is going to the University of Minnesota, which is a top tier, obviously a top tier NCAA program where he's going to have a chance to continue development. And right now that's really his main goal. And that's what the Penguins are looking for right now. There's no rush to get this kid to the NHL. He's not a, he's not like, like a Lafreniere, Hughes-type player. He's not. He's got a lot of development to go, but from what I read about him from prospect reporters, Jesse Marshall, they really like this kid. He really seems to fit into what the Penguins under Ron Hextall and Brian Burke may be looking to do. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, as things go along here because he is going to be a name you hear. He is still young so you'll have a chance to kind of watch him come up and the good news about playing for minnesota is you're probably going to get a chance to see him on tv uh, at some point this season because of uh, big 10 network he plays for a top tier uh collegiate school at at the university of minnesota so uh, yeah he's just gonna he's really right now just kind of sit back watch him develop and see how he turns out in three four or five years like you said he's not nearly as far along as guys like Poulin or Legeray or Hollander. So it's just going to sit back, enjoy, and uh, see how it all plays out uh, in these next few years with him uh, at the collegiate level and then at some point, hopefully, at the professional level with the Penguins. One of the things that I'd, I'd like to add to the discussion here, moving down the list of the Penguins draft picks was, and I touched on it briefly, but I wasn't sure of their exact measurements, uh, the fifth-round selection, Isaac Bellevue, he is he measures in at six foot two, 185, Ryan McCleary, the seventh round defenseman they selected, six foot two, 180. Uh, Daniel Leach, the seventh round, the second seventh round defenseman that they took, six foot five. So a 19 year old with a six foot five frame, 182 pounds, is certainly going to turn some heads uh, while he continues to develop. He is committed to the University of Wisconsin. And Kirill Tankov, six foot one, 181, uh, a right handed forward. Uh, so again, these players are, we're, we're talking years down the line, unless something happens so incredibly fast in their development, which I personally don't see knowing how long it takes for 
a, a majority of National Hockey League prospects to develop. Uh, you're not going to see the likes of McDavid, Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, those elite level players step in in your opening night lineup. So we'll continue to monitor these players' development at pensburg.com over the next couple of seasons to see how, of course, they continue to develop. You You hope that maybe the Penguins get a couple diamond in the rough type players, and, and for Tristan Bros, you hope he becomes a, a very reliable forward for the next generation of Pittsburgh Penguins teams. Uh, Robbie, let's, let's switch gears now from the draft. Let's go back into the present moment here. And uh, we have a hockey season to talk about. We have a full 82-game regular season to talk about for the first time in what feels like forever. Uh, Like we said at the start of the show, we're finally getting back to that sense of normalcy. And uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this upcoming season. Uh, There's a lot of questions, especially with the loss of Crosby and Malkin early on. Do the Penguins have have enough depth to really compete if Crosby and Malkin are fully healthy? Uh, you know, the Penguins have played one preseason game so far at the time of recording, uh, in that game, from what I saw, Casper Kapanen looked very good. Uh, a player like Sam Lafferty, on the other hand, he took a penalty and he was sort of developing a, a negative reputation as a, as a player that takes quite a few penalties. P.O. Joseph played 22:07 of ice time. Uh, Nathan Legare and Samuel Poulin got a lot of action as well. So I'm not one to to draw too many conclusions from one preseason game. The Penguins lose three to nothing to the Columbus Blue Jackets in that game. So uh, I'm taking even less away from the score of that game. But on the surface, Robbie, it's good to see some of these players getting the, getting the, the game time that they need. It's good for Mike Sullivan to see what kind of player he's getting in, in a first round prospect in Poolin and uh, a prospect that is making waves like Legere, uh, P.O. Joseph. We expect to see him at the NHL level this season. Uh, let's talk about the season, Robbie. What kind of season do you foresee the Penguins having? I'm not one to go off of point projections, so let's just let's just ballpark a win total and maybe if you can you can give maybe a couple of positives you might take away and a couple of things that are scaring you. What do you think are, the Penguins are going to be in 2021-2022? I just think that we're kind of in the same position we were last January before the shortened season started, where everybody thought the Penguins were – the window was fully closed. They probably they were either going to be on the borderline in the playoffs or not make the playoffs altogether, that it was just they were too old, blah, 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 this, 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 this all these questions. And the Penguins come out and they win the Eastern – the very, very difficult Eastern Division. Yeah. In the end, in the end, and yeah, it didn't go great in the playoffs. But we can, we know what went wrong there for the most part. Uh, it starts and ends in goal pretty much, but we'll talk about that in a second. So I see a lot of the same talk amongst Penguin fans this year. Uh, this is the playoffs. They're done. They're too old. The window's closed. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be bad. And I don't think any of that's true because one. Crosby's not if Crosby was out until January, this is a completely different story. Then I'd be very concerned. I think if that were the case, the Penguins would have the front office would have done something to rectify that problem rather than just kind of roll roll along with it because they know Crosby's gonna be back sooner rather than later. And so what? If you go if you go and snag two points out of one of those two games in Florida to start the season, consider it a win, go home, start start your home stretch or start your home schedule there. Uh, it's not Again, the division, 
was where you need to make the impact. And the division is back to the normal Metro. The Hurricanes are back. The Blue Jackets are back. All those teams are, we don't have that Eastern division anymore. And for the most part, a lot of the teams around them didn't get better. They either stayed the same or maybe even took a bit of a step back. And the teams that did get better probably aren't in a position to be better enough to take that next step and knock off the Penguins out of that perch just yet. You know the Islanders are going to be a devil to play against, but they lost Jordan Eberle, who always killed the Penguins. Uh, the Rangers had a very bizarre offseason. Uh, they fired, like, everybody, and then Chris Jury took over in a very bizarre offseason where it feels like they kind of missed a step on that return to the top of the game that they were that they where they were a couple years ago. It feels like they just kind of sputtered, missed a gear, and just yeah, very bizarre offseason from them. The Hurricanes, another bizarre offseason. They let go their top goalie. Uh, they traded him away. They didn't sign him. They could have. And then Dougie Hamilton, they lost Dougie Hamilton. So, again, they're going to be good, but I just don't know if they're going to be what they were last year. They're very good last year, competing for the President's Trophy to, like, the very last day. And then the Capitals are kind of in the same boat as the Penguins. Didn't necessarily get better. Didn't necessarily get worse. Um, just aging and that window's closing on them the devils probably were the most improved team in the division it's just they're not they're not ready to take that step yet and then the flyers a lot's going to depend on what carter hart does uh does he rebound is that defense rebound they did get ryan ellis but they also made a trade for rasmus ristolainen who fancy stats wise is not a good defenseman so uh, overall it's just going to be one of those things where I think the Penguins are going to be fine. I'm not saying that they're going to be a Stanley Cup favorite because they're probably not, but I don't think their playoff streak is necessarily in danger as they get ready to drop the puck on this new season. That's a good that's a good summation of of the season so far. At this point last year, like you said back in January before the puck dropped on last season, uh, I had the Penguins on the outside looking in being like the the, the fifth or sixth team in that makeshift Eastern Division. Is their playoff streak in jeopardy? I don't. I don't think so. I, I like you said. If if they get Crosby back sooner rather than later, you think he would be able to carry a lot of that load as he typically does with Gensel and Rust alongside him. Overall, I have the same feeling as I have last year. I don't know if they're on the outside looking in necessarily, but I don't know if there have been any major changes, big marquee changes that make me think. They have transformed their roster into a Stanley Cup contender again. I, I don't know how I, I don't know how they would get past a, a, a Toronto a Toronto Maple Leaf squad or a Boston Bruins squad or uh, a, a Tampa Bay Lightning squad who's going for their third straight Stanley Cup. What the Penguins are now, and unless something drastic changes, they're a team that's going to be in the playoff hunt. But I think their time for regularly contending for a championship is slowly coming to a close that could change if ron hextall and company decide we need to really you know bring in some top level players to play alongside crosby and malkin as their twilight years come to an end but as things stand right now they bring in guys like heinen and mcginn who are going to give a boost to that bottom six no question about it but uh as Crosby and Malkin and Latang get older, the more help that they're going to have to have because they can't be asked to carry the entire offensive load 
by themselves as, as they get into a more advanced age. It's just not going to happen, and history dictates that the older you get, the harder it is to produce offense, even if you are a generational talent like a Crosby, a Latang, or a Malkin. And one thing that I saw this on The Athletic, there was a roundtable between Rob Rossi, Josh Yoey, and Sean Gentile earlier this week. And one of the wild cards with the Penguins that nobody seems to really be talking about is the head coach. And you can, I think if you look at the Eastern uh, in the Metro division, besides Barry Trotz, who it's hard to argue against right now, that the Penguins have the second at worst best coach in that division. And he seems to, Mike Sullivan seems to coach his best when they aren't at full strength. And when guys like Crosby or Malkin are hurt, they and they need something, that extra push. He seems like that he just lives for that moment. He lives to coach for that moment. And that is a huge advantage, especially in these early goings, where he is going to need to coach his butt off with the Penguins down down big players and I have no doubt that he can do that and it's such an advantage to have a coach like that and it's just something that people don't seem to talk about when discussing the current flaws with this team and I just think it's something that we have to keep keep in the back of your head that Mike Sullivan is a very good coach and the Penguins with him there have a huge advantage over the teams they play against. That's a good point, Robbie, and I wasn't even considering that myself. So for you to bring that into the conversation, Robbie, how many times, and this may be because we're more in tune with Pittsburgh media circles, but how many times over the course of the last couple of seasons when the Penguins have been without a Crosby or a Malkin or both players, and Mike Sullivan proceeds to go on an incredible run, and you start you start to see media members talking about is is Mike Sullivan going to get Jack Adams Award consideration for for the incredible job he's done without X player or Y player? So that that's a really good point. I know a lot of a lot of Pittsburghers think that if if the Penguins are going to get off to a slow start, that the 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 common go to uh, go to talking point is oh the stars have tuned him out the players have tuned him out he's been here for too long and it, it's time for a new voice in that dressing room but that that's a that's a great point to bring in when the, when the chips are down and his back is against the wall without Crosby and Malkin he he somehow somehow starts to make noise for for Jack Adams consideration and that in itself is a reflection on the coach that he is when his back is against the wall so uh having Sullivan behind the bench seems like a very calming presence despite his his boisterous tendencies and his his deep Bostonian accent hmm. and you know he he seems like a very reserved coach that when the chips are down he, he takes a measured approach and and gets the best out of the players that he has available to him. So that, that's a great that's a great point you bring up there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
do you want to switch, Robbie? Do you want to switch into our, our first mailbag segment of the year? That works for me. All right, let's get to it. For first-time listeners who are just discovering this podcast as hockey season gets underway, or if you're a long-time listener and you've participated in this mailbag segment in the past, uh, it, it's time for our weekly mailbag where we pose the question to our Twitter users, and you can follow our Pensburg podcast Twitter at Pensburg Pod at Pensburg P O D on Twitter. Every week we'll we'll post a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this segment. We want to know what our listeners are thinking because after all, uh, this show would not be what it is without listeners like you. So we appreciate everyone who has taken the time to submit a question on Twitter. Uh, Robbie, as always, you will get first crack. Question number one. Longtime mailbag participant Cole Delvecchio is back with the first question here, and he says this. Have you guys treated yourselves to any good binge watches during the offseason? So not to be too mainstream, but myself, like I'm sure millions of people across the world, I binged 10 lasso in like two days. Um, I, I just caught up on the whole first season, what was started of the second season, and then just picked up um, – Every new week, every week I pick, I just watch the new episode. So, yeah, Ted Lasso has been my my show this summer just because I finally got into it and just started um becoming very addicted to that. So, me like I'm sure millions of others in the same boat uh, this off season uh, getting into Ted Lasso. If you weren't already, uh, that was one. I also binged uh, just some random shows. I watched like a lot of Mash. Uh, the TV show from the 70s, which I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with. Uh, just stuff I've watched before, but Ted Lasso is the one I just like binge in like less than 48 hours. So that was my binge watch this summer. I don't know about you. Uh, the one thing I did binge watch, I haven't finished it yet. I started watching The Crown on Netflix. I am Yeah, really, I'm, that's a good show. That's a good show too. I, I am, I'm really into... Uh, history uh i had i took a minor in history when i was in college so i really enjoy the historical drama uh that kind of genre uh you know while that's a lot of that stuff may be dramatized for television purposes i i think the the main gist of of you know that kind of story and seeing the queen's rise from power when she was young to where she is in present day i i thought it was a really interesting watch from my perspective uh, i don't know if the crown was something that you were anticipating coming out of my mouth robbie or anyone listening for that matter but that was the one show that i really binged a lot during the off season for for whatever reason but no nah, it's a great show i well, i can't really um uh argue with that either that's a, it is a good show number 2 is from tony uh, Nakunin, uh, Pens won their division last year and were only Jari away from beating the Isles. Now they seem to be looked at as doomed has-beens by virtually only losing a great fourth liner and a bit miscast score. I'm assuming that means Jared McCann. Uh, the first, the first real question I have is: Have they lost the speed and skill competitive advantage? And I think we kind of answered this in our section above. No, yeah, I don't think they have. I, I think the, the speed and skill is still most definitely there. 
Jeff Carter, for being 36 years old, I think is still good with the puck on his stick. Jake Gensel, I've beat the Jake Gensel's rum for, for a long time now, even if many fans were after his head for saying that he's too small and gets beat up too many times in the postseason. Uh, he is the team's best pure goal scorer, in my opinion. Casperi uh, Kapanen has speed like nobody else on this roster. Brian Rust is right there as well. If Jason Zucker can have a rebound season, I think that'll be one of the X factors we look back on. If 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 Jason Zucker does get back to scoring goals at the pace that he was doing while with the Minnesota Wild, uh, I think we're looking at a, a, a dark horse comeback player of the year type candidate for Jason Zucker. So even without Crosby and Malkin to start and with the loss of, of Brandon Tanev and his energy being replaced by Brock McGinn and Jared McCann, who... I'm not going to lie to you, Robbie. I think the Jared McCann loss is going to sting them. Even if they weren't going to re-sign him to a long-term contract, he was a very, very uh, solid forward, both in terms of advanced metrics. And he was a bit of a streaky scorer from time to time, but he was able to put the puck in the back of the net. Uh, So McCann will be, I think the McCann loss will be felt to an extent, but to say that they've lost their speed and skill, I don't necessarily agree with because of the players that they still have on their roster. Question number three, also from Tony Nikonen. Uh His second question is, have the Penguins, do they have enough secondary scoring to help them out? And his third question is, redeem Zahorna, the real deal. Is he a 15 to 25, I'm going to assume 15 to 25 goal player? He didn't, he, I don't think, maybe you're looking for 15 to 25 points from him. Is he a 15 to 25 point or goal player? Robbie, take the reins here and, and let me hear your thoughts. I can't really, I mean, he's only had played like eight games or something in the NHL, so it's really hard uh, to say, but he did score four points in those eight games. Again, extremely small sample size, but you parse that out over an 82-game schedule, you're, what, a 45, 40, between 40, 45-point guy? Yep. Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, if he plays that level, then abs- then that's a gift. Then, yeah, that's absolutely perfect. That replaces a Jared McCann-type a type loss right there. Maybe not totally, but oh man, that's really good if the Penguins get that out of him. He's a big, big body. And he showed, he was good in his little uh, preview last season. So again, extremely small sample size. Do they have enough sef- secondary scoring overall? I think once you get Jeff Carter down the lineup, I think the secondary scoring is much much better nothing against jared or jeff carter obviously he pretty much carried the penguins after he came over in the trade last year and he was phenomenal um way more than you could ever imagine uh or what the penguins could even ask for for a guy like that but yeah the farther he goes down the lineup the better the secondary scoring gets just because he one can score himself and two he can dish the puck uh so we have that to look forward to and i think once that happens even just getting crosby back will definitely help him help that secondary scoring when you can get that kind of talent down on the third or fourth line. Again, Jeff Carter, perfect third line center for this team. So the sooner they get him there, the better. And then it's really just going to rely on guys like Teddy Bluger. Is Bluger ready to take that next step and get that scoring touch uh, figured out? Uh, And Evan Rodriguez, who everybody said they wanted him back and he came back. And then it's going to be up to guys like, uh, Dom Simone, can he create that uh, that offense like he did? Um, can he help drive play like he did before he left Pittsburgh? Jason Zucker, man, they really need him to take that 
to be what he was in Minnesota. And if he gets that to that level, the secondary scoring is not going to be a problem at all. Question number four comes from Joe Maverick. What is the plan B in case Jari collapses? Very simple. The plan B is to go to Casey to Smith. Yeah. Uh, that that that's really all the Penguins have uh, up their up their holster for the time being. Uh, Casey DeSmith last season uh, played in twenty games, uh, or twenty games played, seventeen games started, going eleven and seven in those games with a two fifty four goals against and a nine twelve save percentage. So very respectable, very 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 respectable numbers as a backup for Casey DeSmith if Tristan Jari is to implode. Uh, their third option they did sign. Uh, journeyman goaltender Louis Demang to a to a I, I believe a two-way deal so he'll, he'll probably spend the majority of his time in Wilkes-Barre uh, he does have 140 NHL games of experience under his belt so uh, he's certainly no slouch there if we're talking break glass now scenario that's probably who gets the call up uh, and then I want to—I just wanted to throw in the the collegiate netminder they signed that they seem to be really high on. Philip Lindbergh is a player that I think the Penguins are very fortunate to have signed a college free agent goaltender who uh, played very well at the University of Massachusetts. So I, I don't think he's going to see any professional playing time this season. But I know the Penguins are very high on him, and uh, we'll see where his development goes with the rest of the Penguins' prospects. But if Jari collapses, it's it's Casey DeSmith's net probably for the remainder of that season. Uh, and uh, question number five, we'll round out the mailbag again. Uh, the final question from Joe Maverick. How will the contract situations of both Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin unfold in the coming months? That's a good question because... I think it's going to be until next offseason that we actually learn anything, unless I'm completely thrown for Luke Malkin. Until he's healthy again, I don't think you're going to see any movement on on that front just because they're going to want to see how he comes back. If the knee's shot and he can't do it anymore, they're not going to give him a ton of money. I, I think Malkin I, – I, I really don't think until next offseason we see much movement on this front unless they decide they just want to get something done get these guys under contract and not have to worry about next summer. But I think that unless something drastic happens, both guys are back in Pittsburgh. It's a matter more of when, not if they resign, uh, unless the price just, they just cannot meet on price. If I had to pick one to leave Pittsburgh, it would be Latang, just because it's been reported so many times that Mario Lemieux is insistent on Malkin finishing his career in Pittsburgh. He doesn't want another Yager situation. He wants Malkin and Crosby both to, complete their careers in Pittsburgh, which I don't think will be an issue on Crosby's part. Malkin, I know, wants to complete his uh, career in Pittsburgh. Latang, the money is going to have to be right, but I still, again, think that he wants to be in Pittsburgh for his entire career. I think the Penguins want him in Pittsburgh for his entire career. So I think they both stay in Pittsburgh, but I would not be surprised if we don't hear anything significant until next offseason, just until... Uh, they know more on the salary cap, more on Malkin's health, more on where everything stands with the team after the season. So I would not be surprised until it takes until next May or June, July uh, for those deals to get done. Malkin's surgery threw a wrench into some of it. That's just my pure speculation. Uh, I know Hextall was questioned a few times earlier in the offseason in regards to getting deals done with Latang and Malkin. Um 
And I, I thought it was going to happen at some point in the offseason. I thought with, with a year to go, I thought that they would find a way to lock both of them up. But, Robbie, I, I agree with you. Taking that cautious approach, if you're the Penguins, trying to see how bad Malkin's knee injury is, if he can't do it anymore, then you, you really hamstrung yourself if you give him that extension and he's really nowhere near the same player he once was. So, but I, I agree with you. I, I don't really foresee a scenario that both players leave Pittsburgh. If one player is to leave Pittsburgh, it, it's probably going to be Latang of the two. But I'd have to assume with how close the three players are, both on the ice and off the ice, Latang, Crosby, and Malkin, I really have to assume that all three players are going to finish their careers uh, in Pittsburgh. But, Robbie, that will do it. We've we've covered everything here in, in episode number one of the Pensburg podcast for the 2021-2022 season. I am looking forward to getting back in the saddle over the next 82 games and possibly longer, depending on, depending on what the playoff scenarios look like for the Penguins. But I am thrilled to have you along for the ride once again. And uh, I, I'm just excited to see hockey finally back. And uh, I'm excited to see where the Penguins go from here. Absolutely. It's always exciting this time of year. Uh, it just feels nice that it's October and everything's kind of coming together now, not like last offseason where they were just finishing up uh, the the season at this point last year, the season before because of COVID and the postponement and the bubble playoffs and all that. And it's just nice that we'll cross our fingers to get 82 games of hockey. There will be fans uh, in the stands. Uh, this season, I mean, they I don't know what the turnout was the other night. I know they had fans at the end of last season, but it just feels much more different uh, right now. Uh, it seems like all the arenas outside of maybe a few in Canada will be at 100% capacity. Um, yeah, I know the Penguins have question marks, but so do 30. I guess it's 31 other teams now uh, with the Seattle Kraken joining uh, the NHL and getting their inaugural season underway here as well. But we're less than two weeks away from from penguins hockey so that's uh that's exciting and it starts in tampa in what, what day is it the 12th or something like that uh so yeah um a lot's gonna ride on tristan jari and that's kind of the same story as it was last season but it's always exciting to get hockey back even if there's a lot of question marks surrounding the team as the great Penguins broadcaster Mike Lang used to say, buckle up, baby, because we are in for, we sh are surely in for one heck of a ride. For Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you right back here next week.